welcome back to uh, Locked and Moded. I'm Jason Daphnis. I am Seth Zarati. Uh, first of the new year. Uh, it's been a month since we last did this, so good times, uh, 2018. Uh, today we wanted to talk about a couple of things, starting with um, the concept not of just games that we liked in 2017 or that were our favorite, but like games from which we can remember a specific moment that really locked it for us, uh, something that we're going to remember the game by and that will help define games in 2017 for us. Uh, I, I've i noticed we're going really long on the podcast, so I'm not going to, like, we don't have the fan base to justify just... Dilly dally, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to let you start with, what do we want to go 3, 2, 1 or 1, 2, 3? Uh, is it I, even a top? I, I didn't have them in any specific order. Just Neither do I. I'll just three. let you start with what you feel like starting with. Okay. I'm just for the sake of getting it out of the way first, uh, I'm going to start with one of my three that is not from 2017, but I played it for the first time in 2017. Okay. And that would be the beginning puzzle in Limbo. Uh, Ouch! Yeah, what the, wasn't that 2011 or something? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm googling not, it just because I'm, I need to know. It, it's not 2011. July 2010. It's on the it's Xbox worse. Live Arcade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Jason, don't don't get carried away. It's not that bad. It's much worse. Um. Well, okay. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining why I didn't play it until 2017. That's the heart and soul of this, though. I... This is like the offhanded comment about <laughs> some other relate, unrelated thing that you're just trying to brush away. How did you not play Limbo until 2017, the year of our Lord? Uh, so, basically, I hate indie developers. No, um, it was just kind of one of those things where I would be sort of similar to where I am now. I would be playing you know, these large games all the time. And, you know, it's it's almost like in terms of the attention and the amount of hours that go into a game, there are two extremes. There are, you know, Witcher and Grand Theft Auto and, you know, all these huge open world games, you know, Mass Effect, that take at least 40 to 50 hours to sure. complete and then at the other spectrum there's you know like maybe rocket league or even like mobile games where it's just mindless you know takes Repetition. very exactly uh it, it lasts as long or as short as you dictate pretty much and so for the for the longest time uh indie games were like in this weird middle tier okay you know what it's not even a middle tier, because I know we've talked about this before, too. There were another tier of games, kind of like Doom and Wolfenstein, or Uncharted, or the God of War series, where it's like a tight, very cinematic, very story-driven, uh, usually like 10 to 15 hours kind of thing, uh, that I would break these games up with. And you mean so bigger games? Yeah. So, like, okay. the three types of games I played were massive open-world games, tiny mobile games, and then, like, these, you know, high-octane, mid-length games in the middle. thrill em and kill em type narrative, like, yeah. uh, linear games. Exactly. And so, indie games were, like, sort of in between 
those well the the shorter end there and so for whatever reason i would approach indie games with the same attitude or thought space as a mobile game mm-hmm. and then i was like okay well i don't have enough time to go into an indie game so i'm going to go into a mobile game or if i was playing a mobile game and i'm like you know i want to sit down and play something then i would default to the larger games mm-hmm. so that's that's why i went six years without playing limbo but i played limbo right and so it made an impression on me and that's why i included it so even though i was late to the party i still did show up after you know everybody left and cleaned up and the lights were yeah, on and all that had, kind of you stuff, you had no drinks. Yeah, you were no. in the nude. I was stone cold the sober. Sola. <laughs> uh, not even the grandkids live there anymore. It's, God damn! It's like the Jumanji house. I'm gonna ask you in a minute about how, like, what what about this first puzzle? Actually, I'm. I think I remember the first puzzle, but what about that first puzzle got you? But I want to note. I think maybe another big part of how you skipped this game and so many other uh, big, um, like, here's that stumbling thing again, (laughs) Uh, like, paradoxically big indie games, is that the Xbox Live Arcade was so much, like, bigger a platform than that, for that, than the PS3 scene. Right. Just because it was, like, an expedited route and sort of... Uh, I, I don't know what it was like for developers, but at least it was much more present. It was part of uh, Microsoft's branding for a, a good long while that they supported indie developers and that they had this whole like storefront dedicated to them. So just just to sort of flaunt that I know exactly how uh, how this worked, and I know you better than you do. All right. Well, then, You're welcome. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell me why I, the gonna, first puzzle uh, stood yeah, out gonna to go, me? I'm going to guess because you died a lot. <laughs> I I did die a lot, actually. You really did. Okay, so the first. Let's recap what that first puzzle is. You wake up in the dark. Uh, you're introduced to you know the super monochromatic silhouetted art style, and then you start walking through the forest. And I guess technically it shouldn't. It, it, yeah, it's the first puzzle. Because they introduced the mechanics of, like, grabbing and dragging boxes to jump over, stuff like that. Uh, and then you come onto, like, this little pond with a box floating in the water. And, you know, I... I This was just idiocy on my part. I will come <laughs> clean now. I thought what I had to do was jump on the box, get it to tip... And then kind of ride it, you know, with my feet going backwards, like at one of those folk fairs Holy kind of thing. Shit. And get the the box to spin across the <laughs> pond. And I died. No, I'm serious. I died. Maybe I think like you're way overestimating the like physics well, engine of well, this game. Well, you know, I I must have died like 35 times. Oh and I, my god! And and I was getting so upset. I was like, a, you know fuck this game like there's a reason i didn't play indie <laughs> games like it's gonna it's gonna go another six years it's fucking bullshit <laughs> yeah um see you in 2023 um <laughs> and like i have to admit it this was the game that frustrated me so much that i was just so without a paddle that i looked up what i had to do did you throw your controller i did not throw my controller um but 
it literally like I had it so ingrained into my paradigm with side scrollers that it's like you go right and you figure out what to do. I had to go left. I had oh to grab God. the box and drag it back to almost like the beginning of the stage where they first introduced the box catching thing. And I was just kind of yeah. like, huh, you know, why didn't I, why did I take that so for granted? And that's why it stuck with me. I was, I was going to say, it sounds like that first, I mean, from what I'm remembering of Limbo, it's been a couple of years since I last ran through it. Uh, and, and admittedly, I didn't play it for the first maybe three or four years it was out just because I didn't really have my own source of income and my parents didn't give me money for video games. But uh, enough about my terrible gulag childhood. <laughs> uh, from what I remember of that game, most of its puzzles are either, uh, you know, building on the, the puzzle that came before it or uh, sort of introducing a new idea with force like that. Uh, not quite in a Nintendo way of like, giving you all the pieces in like a sequential order to ease your learning, but to just like sort of introduce you to a new idea. And once you've gone through all of the effort to like master that new idea and work with it, then it starts playing with it. It starts like turning it around, uh, but you've already overcome that initial hump of understanding. So it sounds actually like, like you had a more, uh, a, a more, uh, I want to use the word edificational, but that cannot possibly be <laughs> Uh, but the most educational experience that you could have had with that game. I think so. Um, nice. What was, uh, what was your first on the 2017 gaming moments? Uh, let's see. I, again, no order, but, um, I'm just going to mention Zelda because it was my favorite game of this year. I don't need to talk any more about why, but the, one of the things that really stuck with me and, uh, uh, Jason Todd Daphnis followers at Nintendoofus on Twitter, We'll probably already know this because it's one of my more popular tweets. Uh, but my mom was visiting last year, um, right around the time that Zelda released. And I had already pre-ordered it for Wii U, and I had already pre-ordered it for Switch. I was just really excited for this game, so I actually got it for both platforms. And I didn't have a Switch yet because I had to cancel that pre-order because I didn't have money. Uh, but I got the Wii U copy, brought it home from work, and my mom and I didn't have any plans until later. And I'm just in a, you know studio apartment so i've got my air bed on the ground she's uh taking the bed with abe my dog and i'm just playing the game uh you know mid afternoon after work just before it gets dark in the middle of march and uh and i'm i'm, I'm playing around and i didn't even know she was watching me but i uh, upon the great plateau in the very first beginning section of this game before you really like delve into the world proper uh, there are a series of challenges and, pu and puzzles that you're allowed to take on at your own uh, speed, sort of. Um, but it's like the training ground of the game. Uh, you have to get an item before you can get to the rest of the world. So this is where you sort of test out all the physics. And it gives you a lot of the starting items that you'll use for the rest of the game. Uh, and one of them is a, um, a magnet, like a high-powered magnet that you can use to move certain metallic objects. And I was uh, farting around and there's this pool, like a, a natural little pond that forms on this great plateau. And I, uh, and I noticed that there was a metal plank down in the bottom of this thing. And it looked like there was a chest underneath of it. So I used this, uh, magnesis is the item's, um, name. I used it to grab the thing, pull it up off and throw it out of the water. And then I was, but you can't swim in this game. So I thought, how the hell am I going to get this thing? And I like started being vocally frustrated with it about like, how am I going to get this chest 
Why would they put that there? Uh, you know, is this bad design in a Zelda game in 2017? That seems a little like maybe it's my fault kind of problem. <laughs> uh, and then, and then my mom's like, why don't you just magnet the chest? And I thought, and I literally said, mom, that's not how it works. <laughs> and she's like, okay. <laughs> and then I turn around and I pull out the thing and it's got this cue when you pull out the item, items that can be like magneted. Uh, turn a different color. They turn like a bright pink so you can't miss them. And the chest turned bright pink. And I pointed it down, grabbed it, and just pulled it out of the pond. And and there it is. Like, that moment for me was... And I turned around to my mom and apologized. Because I was like, <laughs> I was I'm, say. I'm so sorry. She hasn't... For, for context, she hasn't played a game since Aladdin in on the Super Nintendo. And that was a few years after it released, probably. Uh, weirdly, she was much more into video games when we were younger than when we got older. But anyway... Uh, and she kept dying at this one segment. She kept trying to jump over this, uh, this, this gap in the like underwater cave, uh, cave of wonders level. Um, I think I know what part you're talking about. You might've, did you play it on super Nintendo? Oh, I, I loved that game. I loved that game too. I found out later that in the Genesis version, you have a sword. Yeah. Yeah. shit. Yeah. I was throwing apples at bastards throwing apples and jumping on their heads and doing like Cirque du Soleil moves off their asses uh I think I'm better for having played Aladdin on the Super Nintendo than on the Genesis I just, I just going on record uh non-violent resistance well I, it was violent <laughs> but it, it wasn't it wasn't lethal violent non-lethal I learned protest. I learned the basics of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from <laughs> from Aladdin Super Super Nintendo 1993, four? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yikes. No, I would have been one or two, so it must right. have been later. It must have been... Not, I'm going to say 96, yeah. I, I was going to say that sounds closer. Anyway, so she hasn't played a game in years and years, but she used Common Sense, which is something that I had apparently just left at the door when I decided to boot up a video game uh, to like actually show me how to use this game. And it sort of colored, because this was such a beginning part of the game such a like rudimentary section literally the training ground it sort of set the stage for me to uh tackle the rest of the game sort of stepping back from you know the the uh ingrained uh gamer inside me so to speak right uh the man inside me to like just think of what 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 would make sense in this context? What would say make sense in this situation rather than just like, what are the rules of a video game and can I do that or can't I? And then just walking away. I'd been doing that uh, for years and years, obviously, as games exactly like you mentioned, like Uncharted, like Resistance, like Killzone, games that were based on narrative rails sort of taught me to to get from point A to point B. And I didn't know it at the time, but like that approach would define the game for me because that game is all about that exactly, about just trying things in different ways and learning about how the game works. And then with each new bit of information you have approaching every situation differently, that's how it maintains variety. That's how it lasts so long, despite the, I mean, the game world is pretty big, but if you look at like specific things, specific interactable things, uh, they're always hidden. So it's not like everything's uh, visible at once. You kind of have to dig, but you only do that using the skills that you've gained over, you know, your first, 10 hours or something in the game. So that is, that is what got Zelda on my radar, uh, so to speak. I mean, I knew I was going to like the game. I had no idea that it could do this, that it could use my mom 
my uh, <laughs> n- nearly nearly sixty year old mom to teach me something about uh, about about a video game, a new video game in twenty seventeen. Guarantee you, uh, at Nintendo, Miyamoto and Afune, they were just gathered around, and one of their mothers came in, and they're like, "Why don't you make the chest pink?" And then, boom. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. I choose to believe that Satoru Iwata was part of that situation. Cool. So I will go ahead and go into my next moment of 2017. Sure. Uh, For me, number two would be the first time I fought a Thunderjaw in Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, shit. Now, I didn't get too far in this game, but I do remember that kind of moment. Yeah. Um, so once, uh, once you get into like the second area of the world, uh, I won't leave any spoilers yet. I don't know. Are we still like in the, the, uh, it's, it hasn't been a year yet. It hasn't been a full released. year. Yeah. So, so I would w- say that I won't say where like, it, but we can, you, we can talk, we can talk about the spoilers. Well, just, we like, don't, we, no, I mean, we don't really have I to. Can, I can I'm put, just trying to put contextualize in the it when, when we stop doing spoilers. Okay. Um, okay. So starting here at 28 minutes or so, no, whenever we're starting, I'll cut it off. I'm not going to do spoilers though. I, 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 damn it. I, I don't I need such a system. I don't need to. You get into the second part of the world. Uh, in the beginning, you're like in a forested, snowy area. And then the second part of the world is like a desert canyon area. And once okay, you get never... in, into the desert canyon area, that is where you can first encounter a Thunderjaw. Or... Okay, maybe maybe I didn't play this section. Uh, a Thunderjaw. You, are you confusing them with the Razortooths? A Sawtooth? Maybe. I the saber tooth tiger the desert section. Okay, well, the Thunderjaw is like their um, T Rex, uh, and it's what they've shown in like the E three demos and things like that. Is it what's on the box? Yes. Okay. No, I never, I never encountered him. Never mind. Okay. Take that back. And it's one of those things where the first time I fought it, um, they did a really good job, uh, Gorilla Games of uh the different monsters or mechs or animals whatever you want to call them uh really sort of as they introduce them they introduce them in a natural sort of way so like as you are exploring i think they just did so much focus testing or something like that to see the routes people normally take uh huh. So once you get there, they know that you've reasonably encountered other formidable, uh, you know, enemies, but not the Thunderjaw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so basically, like, I went in way overconfident, um, because I thought, "Am I gonna kill me a dinosaur?" Exactly. Exactly. Like, Papa needs him a robo steak. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I went in there, I had, like, you know, I know how to tie them down, I know how to lay traps and, you know, mm. divert them and stuff like that. I have a Mr. good... Mr. Gray, we'll see you now. I have a good feeling for all the arrows and how to exploit vulnerabilities, and then I go in there and I just... Same. 
I just get, you know, my my poop pushed in by <laughs> by this Oh wait, you're dump. trying to take a dump there? No, no you're not. Yeah, no, it took a dump on me. Like I was like, "Oh, I'm going to put this little shock trap down." And then it just like trampled me into pulp. Uh and like while it's trampling me, it's shooting like laser gatling guns from its jaws and I'm just like, <laughs> "You will rue the day." <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Uh, I was like, well, well, shit, you know, like, oh, hey, uh, did you, did you die at that time or? Oh, the first time. Yeah. I've, I've very died. Uh, Is it a pretty, is it a pretty instantaneous death? uh, I I never played the game enough to, I mean, I remember it being difficult, combat being intentionally difficult, but like, can you just get crushed and then your bone meal? Um, no, the worst part was like. It almost is like fighting Galactic, like you will rue the day. Like, it's like, he's going to kick you. You're going to be flailing through the air. While you're flailing, you still have health. You're getting shot. You're getting set on fire. <laughs> you're getting like stomped again. And then you die. And you're like, <laughs> you're just oh. being like, like flung through the air like a, like a hacky sack. Like somewhere, as soon as you drop into that ridge, he treats you like he's trying to execute Rasputin and he's just like <laughs> throwing everything in the book at you. <laughs> he just throws you into the nearest pond with yeah. cement on your knees. Um, But no, like it was just a really intense, but like really gratifying. Like when I did kill it, it was so intensely gratifying. Is that uh, something that, that occurs multiple times in the game? Can uh, you encounter more than one? You can encounter more than one, yeah. Um, there is there is a side quest that has like a particularly powerful one. Oh, uh, yeah, they needed that. Sounds yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like that was the modifier. They're, they they're like, wait a minute, what if we made it bigger and it did more damage? <laughs> <laughs> Guerrilla games. Yeah. But that is my uh, my gaming moment of 2017, number two. I might go back to that game then, because Zelda kicked it off my list just for, like, big games. Because I do that same thing where I, like, I'll, I'll pace out bigger games with smaller games. And, unfortunately, I had just paced out with a smaller game before getting both uh, Horizon and Zelda. And then just Zelda or Horizon fell to the wayside. Right. My apologies. No, it's uh it it's worth going back into. It the funny thing about it, uh if you don't devote much time to just exploring the world, it reasonably you could finish it, you know, like in twenty hours. Really? That's yeah. not the impression I got with how slowly the plot seemed to be unfolding. I imagine it took uh, quite a bit longer. No, than I that. mean like it will ramp up in difficulty in that sense because you're not grinding out levels and getting, you know, unlocking more skills. Sure. But no, just, just, I guess from what I've seen, like if I, knowing how much time I took in between missions, I I definitely could have finished it in much less time than I did. Nice. Well, good on you for being fucking lazy yeah no it was it was my gaming moment number two 2017 horizon zero dawn fighting thunder drop for the first time that's gonna cap that uh, yep i my next one is from uncharted the lost legacy you never played this right not yet no there's a specific moment it's not much of a spoiler uh 
more just like a, a quirky little thing that happens. Um, but of course, you're, you know, climbing ruins and going around trying to pilfer ancient artifacts before the bad guys do, basically. Uh, the, the classic Uncharted setup. But where this game really shines is character development, uh, sort of the um, the interplay between two uh, characters very tightly uh, cast and, and, and their narratives are like intertwined throughout the entirety of the game rather than like something like Uncharted where, you know, characters come and go, etc., as partners so these characters come to bond uh you know sort of a a loose friendship for a while and then it starts to calcify and solidify and one of the moments that turned that for me that turned this game from being just like a good uncharted game with great character development to like maybe maybe one of my favorite uncharted games that might not be saying much since there are only like five or six of them but uh there's a moment when you're climbing ruins and there's a pool at the bottom of this sheer cliff face. And it's a pretty high, pretty high cliff, but it's like in, in a larger cave. And, uh, and you get to the top, you're playing as Chloe and, uh, you get to the top and Nadine and you just kind of stare out at the beauty of it all. And then Nadine pushes you off, off of this cliff and you fall all the way back down into the water and you're unharmed. Uh, but it was like a short scripted moment. And then I thought, Oh, uh, you know, that's cute. Like, they're 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 getting more playful they're getting more jovial uh and then like i thought that's the cut scene right that's when something comes up from the water or like when the guy shoots me but then no like it gives you control back and you just have to climb all the way back up this this uh this cliff face again uh <laughs> i i know and that seems like such a small thing but it was it like in that moment i decided that or like i felt that it was much much stronger writing and characterization of those characters than I had initially thought. Uh, and the game does a whole lot to convince you of that prior to that. But for me, it was, you know, it was clicking. It was doing what it needed to do. But that sort of put it over the edge where, like, not only was it a narrative move, but it was something that, like, again, sort of un- sort of subverted what I, ex- what I expected the game to do, if only for, you know, a, a, a minute total segment. It was just, it was nice. It was a good surprise in uncharted the last legacy lost legacy the last lost legacy it was the final legacy of uncharted they're not making any more actually or is is this just a bit you're rolling with i I was just i mean i didn't know if it was a bit but i was just rolling with what i had said trying to double down on it but actually brings up a good point i i think that they have officially stated maybe that that uh, like Uncharted Four was the end of Nathan Drake's adventures. Oh no, oh, Nathan Drake, yes. Uncharted, right. La- no. Almost certainly not. Yeah, like you gotta imagine they had this other team working on Lost Legacy that then sort of spiraled into everybody working on it, sort of thing. Uh, and they've got The Last of Us Part Two and whatever else might spin off of that. But uh, but you gotta imagine somebody else is working up to it. Maybe Blue Point Games, the people who did the uh, the, the, the remasters. Abyss. Oh, did, did they, they do? do? Oh, <clears throat> anyway, I don't remember if they did Golden Abyss or not. But they did uh, with you know with decent aplomb. They did the remasters, the uh, Nathan Drake collection of one, two, and three, and those really. I mean, not that it's a whole new project, but it did show that they're familiar with the systems, with the with how how the game works and how to build it for you know at least current generation. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get another Uncharted game that's just not made by the core team, like God of War Ascension. Wasn't that made by another team, not Sony Santa Monica? I think it was. Uh, I 
I want to say it was ready at dawn, but that might have just been the uh, I think the PSP people. But, I don't think you're wrong. I know that it was the PSP people, Chains of Olympus and uh, Ghost of Sparta. Ascension was developed by Santa Monica Studios. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, but of that same ilk, where there's a long-running franchise and the creators of it just want to move on, uh, do something else, do something different, and uh, and it seems like Uncharted 4 was their chance to do that. So anyway, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, really good game. I think it got a lot of talk before it came out, and um, and you know when it came out, obviously it got decent reviews. A lot of people treated it like it was just more Uncharted. I think it was a little more than that, if not, you know, a complete reinvention of the quote-unquote formula. But it tried some new things, both uh, story-wise, character-wise, and uh, actually gameplay-wise. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the the whole concept is that the, the main story is set in a large open-world area, uh, out of which you just spring into kind of like little dungeons. But it's got, like, side missions and little sub-quests and things that sort of move Uncharted in a slightly more open-world way. I can't stress enough that it's not an open-world game in the strictest sense, because you are bound by a fairly small area. Uh, but it's not like it's, you know, a single Uncharted level. It's it's a pretty big map. So, yeah, try it out, or, uh, or, or I don't know what else. I don't know why I said or. Just try it out. <laughs> Uh, what is your your number one or just last on your list? Yeah, it's it's last. It's not again. I I don't think that there could be really any order to these, but uh, getting uh getting uh, breaking from tradition here. Uh, me just braining an android in in Robo Recall for the Oculus Rift. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a left fielder. Yeah, and I w- I was really thinking about it, like, because I I came up with the first two pretty pretty easily, and then I was trying to think, like, oh, you know, like, am I just gonna do a blanket, you know, like, oh, every epic save I had in Rocket League or something, or like, you know, landing a, a sweet alt in Overwatch? Because uh, really, I was trying to think of like, what did I play? in 2017 and and saying like oh when i downloaded fire emblem heroes like no that's that's terrible uh but robo recall played a demo at pax east and you play this this hunter and you have to find and dismantle these robots that are taking over a city and it's a first person shooter and you have your left and right hands and the handles or the controllers um if you reach to your hips you can unholster like two pistols and if you reach over your shoulder and shotgun. grab there's a shotgun oh. yes yeah yes um, and so uh the thing is um there's uh, have you played the Oculus Rift uh, I played Rift once, but it wasn't that game. I think it was Job Simulator. But you, you can't, well, in this game, you don't, like, move. You kind of, like, you move. You the... hop from point to point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I get that concept. Right. And so, it's kind of like a, 
almost on-rails shooter, but not really. Anyway, there was a point in the game where a whole bunch of robots started descending, and I just kind of, like, lost my wits, and I was like, all right, I just need, I just need to get out of here. And so I, you know, aimed my, you know, controller and flicked the, uh, the joystick to, to warp myself. And I realized I had warped right behind a robot and it was about to turn around and it had a gun in its hand. And so I just reached out and I hit the grab gun or hit the grab button and there was a handle on like the back of its head and I grabbed <laughs> it. And so it, I was like, holding myself behind it by the head and then <laughs> it had a holstered gun and so i grabbed it off of its hip and just blap blap like <laughs> blew its head off in I my head i saw that in john wick too <laughs> oh my god and like it was such a visceral feeling of badassery but also a little like dismay at myself at how violently i dispatched <laughs> this robot like virtual or not i was like wow that was that was cold-blooded holy shit um and and oh and okay well now that i'm talking about it there's another point where it a uh, robot like lands in front of me and i shot it once to stun it and then i grabbed its arm ripped off its arm and beat it to death with its own arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You 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 should call somebody. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, like I uh uh I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to my parents. You need to go I'm cool gonna, down. Yeah, I'm going to go dunk my head in cold water. I'll let you know when I return to uh to sanity. Was that your first time in VR? Uh, outside of like, uh, you know, like Samsung VR, like vision oh, demos, like the boxes. And yeah. Stuff. Well, basically like first interactive VR experience. Yes. And, uh, whoo, uh, I know we had talked about it before. I was always a little iffy on the VR concept. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say afterwards, I did have a headache just because, like, my brain was still able to perceive that although the image of the world around me had depth, I could somehow tell that it was also, you know, a screen, you know, an inch in front of my eyes. So uh -huh. it it just it gave me this like weird eye strain throughout the whole time. You never quite quite warmed up to it. Yeah, I mean it was like it was good graphics and it and it felt immersive, you know, everywhere I looked I was surrounded by environment and all this kind of thing. Right. But it was it was just like some sort of effect that I was aware of and then when I took took off the headset, I knew I like had a bit of a strain induced headache. Uh but Previous to that, I know I had always had my reservations about VR, but that, uh, if nothing else, like, I could see myself going to an arcade where they had VR to do that, if not in my own home. Like, multiple times? You could want to do that more than once again? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. I, I've only ever used VR, again, in, like, the new interactive game 
sense, like consumer product sense. Once it was at Glitch, uh, uh, GlitchCon, a convention uh, put on up here by a group at UMN, um, a group of game development folks and uh, and professionals. And somebody had brought in their, I think it was a Rift. What is the other one? Five? Uh, the Vive, HTC Vive. Excuse me. I believe it was Rift. But anyway, I was playing Job Simulator and I had the same thing. Like, I have little real faith in VR as it stands. I think that it's neat. I don't think that it's going to really take off in the next few years. I think it's just there as, you know, fun, tchotchke sort of thing. But anyway, uh, and I, I had the same deal where, I had to take off my glasses uh-huh. and I am critically nearsighted, like painfully nearsighted. Uh, the doctors thought I had glaucoma. That's how like nearsighted I am. And I had to take them off. I had to take my, off my glasses to wear this thing. And that just like, because the glass in those, in that headset is the only thing I could really focus on. It was kind of hard to lose myself in it completely, but it gets easier as you're going on and you start to like level with the system about where your body is in space and how you can interact with it. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. I should have played Robo Recall though. It sounds like it, uh, it was a hoot. It was, it was fun. Uh, last one for me, uh, again, it's smaller scope, but night in the woods. Did you ever play this? I did not. Okay, I shouldn't have asked. It's an indie game. You hate indie no, games. No, no, see? No. Night in the Woods. Is that the point-and-click adventure? It is not a point-and-click. It is side-scroller, but it is sort of a narrative adventure game, yeah. Well. You're thinking maybe of Thimbleweed Park? I'm not thinking of Thimbleweed Park. I... I'm looking it up right now. No, I, okay. I actually... Did not... Oh, I was thinking of What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, that also is not anything no, like no, no. a point and click. It's well, not, no, not in a... In many ways, it kind of is. Like That's an that's an interesting take. I want to hear more about that later. <laughs> okay. You didn't make the take, but I want to, I want to hear you expound on it. <laughs> sure, you, you got it. <laughs> so, uh, you were thinking of What Remains of Edith Finch. It's not a, What Remains of Edith Finch. It is a game called Night in the Woods. I believe Infinite Fall is the developer. Uh small team um small scope of game but very visually compelling very like uh child uh like cut out what what's the word i'm looking for yeah. sort of like craft paper yeah, construction style. paper yeah 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 uh and it's very good writing especially very good uh ways that they build these characters and that they like have them interact pretty much probably uh 3 quarters of the game at least is just these characters interacting this main character who's home uh, after having dropped out of college and her parents are, you know, putting her up until she decides what to do with her life next. And it's just you controlling her in the interim. These, uh, uh, anthropomorphic, uh, domesticated animals. Like, I mean, the main character and her parents are cats. Some of your friends are dogs. There's a bear, a duck, bird, other things like that. Uh, that's way more detailing you really needed, but I just want to <laughs> set the scene. Sure. So, so uh, your characters kind of struggles with these feelings of being a failure of being like uh, of going back to the life that she used to have after having big dreams for college and getting up out of I think town is called Possum Springs uh like a rust belt town that never quite really recovered that's just sort of getting by and uh, and slowly dying but uh the game plays out in a series of days in which uh, you know, some narrative plot beat happens on each day that you 
sort of discover by going and talking to the to the people that she knows, her friends and her family. But at the end of almost each day, uh, it, you you come home and it's nighttime and uh, the character's dad. Her her name is May and her dad's name is Stan. 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 Uh, and you just have these quiet little nice, very human moments with with her dad. He's just watching like the nightly uh like talk show um and you just have like ni- nice little conversations about how work was or like how your life is going uh and just reassuring nice little moments uh that don't feel out of place but that still stuck with me because of just how genuine they feel in a game full of like genuine moments sort of capturing uh uh anxious millennial feelings in 2017 sort of game it is a really heartfelt little moment every night because he's a very nice guy uh he levels with may and is you know always honest but never mean uh and it's just these nice i keep using the word nice but it is like (laughs) there's a lot in this game that's there's a lot in this game that's very like cynical or i mean the the creators of the game and the writers of it are uh are, are you know uh of the younger set, I believe, in their 20s and 30s. We'll call those roughly, like, the upper end of the millennial generation. Uh, so the writing is sometimes a little more cynical than uh, than than it could be. And just when those moments, when that, like, overall air of cynicism and, uh, you know, depression and anger seem to creep in, uh, it breaks it up with these little... And you don't have to do them. You can go. I think you could just go to bed as this character and, you know, start the next day. Uh, but if you take the time to sit down and talk to your dad, it's just a nice little moment of relief. And it happens, I don't know, a handful of times over the course of the game. And things get better and worse with your family. Things get better and worse with your mom and dad. But, like, he's always just a good little source of, of, of calm and of reservation. Too real. Lord. It, and that's... <laughs> Like, you really should play this game. You asked me if The Big Sick was going to make you sad if you watched it. This game, I don't struggle with a whole lot of those issues, but I still felt like I was, like I did, I guess. I was appropriating <laughs> depression culture by playing this game. And that's great. That's awesome. No, I, but, like, it's, they're, especially since, like, you and I grew up in smaller towns, uh-huh. uh, and and it nails a lot of those feelings. I get the feeling that the that the writers of the game also did grow up in smaller towns, uh, like you know the feeling of kind of nothing to do, of what you resort to in the lack of anything to do. But that family unit being the uh, like the, the the bedrock, the base, the of, touchstone, of yeah, do. yeah. And when you know shakeups happen, when they're you know money's tight or whatever in the at least in the game, that's reflected in how your parents act around you. Your mother tends to. Uh, act a little more, um, uh, act up a little more, act uh, a little more visibly, uh, uh, transparently, like, affected. And your dad is just sort of keeping on day to day, just trying to be, you know, the best husband and father he can be to his, you know, uh, depressed wife and to uh, his, you know, failure of a daughter, more or less. <laughs> oh, man. It's, like I say, it's it's a no, very... No, that's, a, that's very, a human drama. It very much is. And like I said, these moments are just a great way to both build the character that you're playing as and sort of her lineage and give the whole game some breathing room, like the plot. Uh-huh. Uh, it's 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 great. I loved those moments. They were one of my favorite parts of the game was coming back home to her dad at night and just 
seeing what he was going to talk about. It wasn't ever like he brought up some crazy story from back in the day. It was just like how his work day was or like what he thinks of current events sort of thing. It's it's super good. I think you should play that game. It's a little longer than I thought it'd be, but it's not, you know, a 30-hour time sink. It's an indie game, so it's got its limits, but it's, it's really good. At what point does Somewhere Only We Know start playing in the background of this game? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Somewhere Am Only We Know? Am enough? But no. What? By Keen? I might know it by sound, but you're going to run into this a lot. So why don't we go somewhere only we know? No? I might have to just play it when we're done it, here. It is I, like a go-to in like rom-com coming of age like trailers i always hear it in trailers not the actual soundtrack i wonder why they do that do they license specifically tracks for trailers rather than I, just putting it on the soundtrack i mean I, I i would assume so yeah or maybe is it a different maybe it is a different like royalty agreement or something yeah because trailers aren't necessarily made for profit Hey, you're in New York. Just ask some of your movie friends. You're right. I'll just... Hey, you. You mover and ask, shaker in the film industry. Ask Casey Affleck the next time you bump into him in a crowd. Like, hey, ew, but... <laughs> <laughs> but tell me how this business works. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that was the end of my list. We took, I think, a good amount of time talking about those. I think so, too. All, all quality stuff. Uh are you any closer now to playing any of the games I mentioned that you didn't play? I mean, Zelda, you're kind of locked from because no Switch, no Wii U. But either Uncharted or Night in the Woods, are you any closer to playing those now that you know what made them so special to me? Honestly, I think I am much closer to playing Night in the Woods. Uh, there you go. Because uh, I, d- I didn't bring it up here because I couldn't quantify it. I couldn't distill it to a single moment. But Unravel? was like another indie game I did play uh and I just enjoyed something like it was like this very sort of just I I don't know like this sweetly poignant sort of thing where like it's not it's not heavy but it's not you know without substance but it's not either Yoshi and Poochie's yeah, world Yeah exactly like it it has it has some weight, but it's not it a heavy has some weight. Emotional statement. Exactly. You 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 okay. chew on it, but it it never gets too tough. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't play that. I played. Let's see. Well, this year I think was Little Nightmares, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I played that, and that was sort of like my fix of uh, side-scrolling, like ambiguous narrative type games. Uh, the year before that was Inside. Excuse me, inside. Inside. Um, so I, I didn't have much room in my heart for, for Unravel, but maybe maybe later. Uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I mean, likewise, was there any uh, anything for you that seemed to have tipped? I do think I'm going to go back to Horizon. I've, I'm, you know, balls deep in a couple other games right now, <laughs> uh, some of which are pretty big. I, I just started Yakuza 0. And oh, I, Lord. I, wait, yeah, which leads me into my next point. And I actually read, uh, well, I, I won't go down that blind alley. Uh, but, like. Next point? 
at next po- what we're at 58 minutes oh no my not my next point but just like honorable mentions okay pyre pyre the moment that i like actually lost a game uh the, the whole game is structured kind of like football where it's like brackets and when you win you go on when you lose you get set back and uh-huh. then at the top of that bracket is is the ultimate game that will free one of you from this hellish tartarus prison called the downside so the first time that I lost, and I thought this game was a little easy going into it, and, you know, in my first few matches, the first time I lost was the moment I knew that game was going to be one of my favorite of 2017 because it set me back, but it gave me resolve to do better next time. And that's something that as a sports, as a non-sports fan, I don't feel about many things. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was one of my, I think maybe the only one that I've got on my mind, uh, honorable mentions of, of this list. Okay. I mean, I, I, I had sort of mentioned Unravel as as a cohesive unit uh mm-hmm. but besides that okay yeah. this has been <laughs> uh, locked and moded whatever episode we're on five uh, five uh, uh, uh we're gonna try and do this more often than we did right we we not. we were we were on holiday this this will I, I did not have a I mean I had a good holiday but it didn't end very well. They d- they don't know that we weren't on holiday. We were on holiday for a month. Fucking <laughs> Liverpudlian now. All right. <laughs> uh, so we'll try to do this about once a week. We're finally I guess maybe not finally. We're only 5 episodes in, but I got it working on iTunes. So we're we're grooving. Fun. We're grooving. Uh grooving. To do it without paying money, uh, shout out to Sadie Miller, who uh, sent me a whole list of, of detailed instructions on how to do that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, uh, that should conclude our episode for today. Uh, I'm Jason Daphnis. I am Sensorati. And this has been Locked and Moded. Uh, keep it locked. Aha. And moded. <laughs> am I locked or are you locked? Because uh, one of us is locked and one of us is moded. You're locked. I'm moded. I'm locked because I'm I'm very emotionally reserved right. and I don't really speak my feelings. I speak my mind. Uh, locked. Fuck. Uh, keep it locked. Keep it moded. We'll be back sometime, hopefully next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.